The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, we continue our study through the book of Romans, and we have come to chapter 13, as we've already read the portion that we're studying. And uh, last week, we hit the portion that uh, really was timely, and we've been challenged to submit to governing authorities when uh, we had a great... I mean, a week filled with news that would challenge us to handle that in the way that Paul called us to handle it. And that, namely, the, the way we, he called us to handle it was uh, to maintain a posture of submission to our governing authorities. That if we have been uh, recipients of the grace of God, we understand that God ordains that the government is our authority. And we should maintain a posture that says, I want to embrace their leadership as much as I possibly can. Uh, that any time that we uh, see that we are being called to obey the government, we should say, I want to, and that's the inclination of my heart. And the only time that we should resist is if they are completely contrary to the direct commands of Scripture. And even then, we can resist in a godly way, in a way of honor and respect. And so, you know, you may have thought, well, good, I'm glad we got through that one, and now we're moving on. Well, no, that's not, that's not exactly how it's going to go. We're going to continue to look at this idea of Paul's instructions in the context of living in society that is governed by uh, a secular government that God has ordained be over us. And I just want to be clear up front. There's a lot of people here with a lot of diverse opinions and a lot of diverse political views. What I'm saying to you If it sounds like I'm choosing a camp, I'm not. I'm not trying to choose any political camp. What I'm trying to do is is expose what God's Word says to us, and then we are to take that and apply it uh, and obey it in our lives. Uh, This week we see, uh, he, he tells us in these verses that we are to owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. And we're going to see that is really the overarching command of this text that we are called as Christians to love. And so each week as we hear these laws that come out from the White House or from the Department of Justice, just this week the issue has been the transgender issue, the issue of uh, North Carolina State is suing the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice is suing the state of North Carolina over this issue. Um, We heard the, I don't know the legal term, a mandate or the the requirement from the White House that that all public schools should allow uh, students to choose whichever bathroom based on their own gender identity rather than their biological uh, identity. And so I, I was talking to some this morning, and I said in the early service, I think that many of us never even imagined we would be having these types of conversations. So having to think through them, having to know what, what is the right, biblical, faithful response in this matter is helpful. And today, Paul is going to give us guidance on how we should respond. It's not so much specifically into each issue, but we will see there is guidance for us today on how to think, how to behave, how to respond, how to live in a society that is governed by secular government, that is not always, and I would say, is increasingly challenging for us to discern what is the right response uh, to a right biblical and faithful response 
to such laws that come at us. And so Paul is going to give us instructions on how, as Christians, to live in under a secular government. And I, I would say that what, what we need to understand is that this is probably going to be more challenging every day as we go. And my desire is that the way we live is we're going to see the scripture tells us that we are strangers in our own land. We are, we are foreigners in our own homeland. That we are citizens of the kingdom of God who live as citizens of the United States. And so we should not be caught off guard. We should not be shocked. We should not despair when we find that the world government that we live under is not aligned with God's government that we live under. I think there was a generation in America that enjoyed a much more harmony for years where the, the world's government was much more aligned with the biblical government and we just, too many of us, put our hope in the world's government. And that's a misplaced hope and will always lead to disappointment and discouragement. What the scripture says is our hope is in King Jesus. And he is the authority. And we are to submit to any authorities that he places over, over us. And that is governing authorities, human secular governing authorities. But ultimately, our hope is not in the person who is put in the White House. We are putting our hope in Christ. And so as strangers living in our own land, being strangers in our own land, citizens of a higher kingdom living in this world. What does Paul have to say for us? That's what we're going to look at today. Let me ask God to help us receive this word this morning. God, help us right now receive your word. I know that my own sinful, prideful human heart resists. And I know that from conversations and just knowing our people that we all struggle with this. And Lord, I pray for your much, much grace. I pray that your spirit will produce transformation in our heart, will produce humility, and that we would obey your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at three instructions from Paul on how to live in a secular world as citizens of a higher kingdom. First of all, we see we live by a higher law. We live by a higher law. In verses 8 through 10, he speaks about this law. He says, listen, owe nothing to anyone except love. Except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor fulfills the law. And then he quotes some of the commands. This, for this, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. There it goes again. It did this in the early service. We could not figure it out between services what's causing it. Let me go a little longer. If it keeps distracting, I'll switch mics. So and he commits, he says, do not commit adultery, do not commit murder, do not steal, do not covet. And if there's any other command, it's summed up in this saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so in these verses, Paul calls Christians to live by a higher law. A higher law than any law of the land. And then he quotes 
the Ten Commandments or the second part of the Ten Commandments, referring to the time where God had delivered Israel out of Egypt, gathered them at the foot of Mount Sinai. He's giving them his law. He's giving them government. He's saying, listen, this is my government, my governing laws for you. The first group of them referred to their relationship with God, that they should love God supremely. And flowing from that, the second group of commands was that they would love one another. If they love God supremely and they love one another, then they will not commit adultery. They will not steal. They will not kill. They will not covet because that's God's law. And so Jesus, when he was on the scene, he said, listen, the law is summed up in this. Love God, love each other. This fulfills all the law. And so Paul is reminding us, as those who live in the governing, uh, under the governing of a secular government, those who live in a society that does not always order itself according to God's laws, we are called to a higher law. We are called to God's law. We are called to love. If people lived by God's law perfectly, there would be what we all desire our society to be. If all people lived by God's law, if everybody in the world loved God and loved each other, we would have what everyone longs for, a perfect society. God says, I'm bringing that about through the blood of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, until Christ returns and establishes that, in the meantime... Live out my law, which is you, Christians, bring some of that heaven to earth by your love. Love one another. And that's not just referring to brothers and sisters in Christ. Love everyone. Love your enemies. The Bible has a lot to say about love. God says, and here Paul says, we are obligated. This is a debt you cannot pay off. Last week he said, pay your IRS debt. Pay your debt of honor and respect and pay your taxes. But here's a debt you can never finish paying. Always remain in debt to love one another. Who indebted us to love one another? Why are we obligated to pay the debt of love? Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the scriptures in Romans 5, 5 says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. And so what we see is Christ obligates us to love everyone because he himself has poured his love into our hearts by faith in his work on the cross. And so if you say you're a Christian, if you are putting your hope in Christ that he makes you right with God, then you are filled with the Spirit of God, and that means you are filled with the love of God, the love that says, I died for you while you were sinning against me. I didn't die for you after you agreed with me and straightened yourself up. I died for sinners. And if he fills us with the love of Christ, then we are to give our lives for those who are sinners and sinning even against us. The Scripture says... Without love, it's all pointless. You can do a lot of great things, but if you don't do it in the love of Christ, then you're wrong. You can be as right as you can be, but if you don't 
do it with love, then you're as wrong as you can be. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, And if I gave all my possessions to feed the poor, if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. I don't care how right you may be on your stance politically. I don't care how right or how biblical you may be in your stance against certain social causes. If you don't do it in love, you are in the wrong. It doesn't matter how right I am. If I don't stand on the side of the truth in love, then I am wrong. Let me switch mics. And so Paul is calling us to a higher law. Now, he says in the scriptures also in 1 Corinthians 16 has a lot to say, or 1 Corinthians 13 has a lot to say about love. He says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. So in the context of submitting to government, in the context of living as Christians who have been transformed by the mercy and grace and love of Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, listen, live differently in the church. That is what is described as love Christians, love one another, be patient, bear with one another. But outside the church, he says, you live under subjection of governing authorities. And in the city of Shreveport, you as a people who claim to be recipients of the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, be known by your love. Be loving people. So as we hear transgender laws that make our heads spin, let me ask you something. Do the people know your opinion about the law and not know about your love for the transgender person? Have you thought once about that person this week? Or is all you can do say what a terrible law it is? I'm not saying that love means we agree with everything. It doesn't mean we lay down and just let them just pass any old law they want to pass. No, we can speak the truth and we should. And as citizens, we should do our civil duty. We should run for office. We should vote for those who we think will set forth biblical policy. We should do all those things. But you know what? Every citizen is called to do that. But what is the unique characteristic or the unique calling of the Christian citizen? The Christian should do it in love. The Christian should say these policies are hurting individuals. These laws are what we should do because this is what is best for individuals. If we would have these kind of conversations to say, this is what I believe is best for society. This is what I believe is best for one another. And others disagree, no matter how hateful or how angry. If we remain in a spirit of love, it's okay if they disagree. We can walk away saying, 
we've honored God in the way we've handled this situation. And so, yeah, we, we should do all we can to fight for, meaning to do all the political action, all of our civil duty, all the lobbying, all that we can at our means to promote God's will through the legal system and through society. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we don't do it with love, then it's for nothing. We should be known by our love. Love never fails. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all you do, all that you do be done in love. In verse 22, he said, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. The harshest words Jesus has is for Christians doing things without love. And I would say all over the place, Christians are doing things politically without love. Jesus said, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. We are the ones that are called to the higher law as Christians. We should not expect the world to behave differently. We are the ones who say we've been filled by the grace, the supernatural transforming grace of God. We are the ones who are not allowed to steep down, to stoop down to some lower calling. God has called us to a high calling, and that is simply love. Is that how we are known? Are we dealing in patience? Are we dealing with others on the other side of the aisle with kindness, with humility, with grace, with long-suffering? Do we genuinely care or is it just about being right and winning the battle? God's called us to a higher law, and that's the law of love. He's also called us to live with a higher perspective, is which what kind of makes sense of all this. We've already alluded to it in verse 11 and 12. He said, do this, referring to the love, fulfilling the law. Do this, love, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. In these verses, Paul tells us to live with the higher perspective of understanding the time. He says, do this knowing the time. Know the hour. Know that salvation is near. Know the day is approaching. All these phrases are referring to the day of the Lord. That's the day when the king himself will return and finally establish his government, his reign and his rule on earth. And so he's saying, as Christians... 
you should know that you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven while you are living on earth. Know the time. Know that his time is coming. Know that every day we are closer to the arrival of King Jesus. In other words, live with an eternal perspective. Don't sink to the levels of this world. This life is not all there is. How you live now matters. The judge is coming back. That changes our perspective, it changes our values, it changes our politics, it changes our relationships, it changes our priorities, it changes how we spend our time, how we spend our money. If we know that King Jesus is watching everything and we know he's coming, it makes a difference in the way that we live. We don't say, carpe diem. Laissez-les bons rouler. We're not hedonist. Hey, you only got a few, your, few more years. Let's live it up. It also makes us humble and patient and understanding. Understanding with the view of society that this is not my hope. Do all I can, but no, one day swords and plowshares will be, swords will be beat into farming tools. That's what's over the UN, I think it is. It's understanding that Christ is going to bring that. Christ is going to come back and establish the perfect society. In the meantime, we are living in an already not yet state. That's the way people like to talk about it. We're already citizens of his kingdom, but we're not yet there fully. Jesus has told us by the blood of Christ, we're already free from the penalty of sin, and we're already free from the power of sin. So we have to make a difference now. We should already be living differently, even though we have not yet had the king back here establishing his government on this earth yet. But he says, notice what he says, it is already the hour for you to wake up. Look at verse 11. It's already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. Wake up and live differently. It's not just some future salvation that we're awaiting. There is a future salvation that has current implications in our life. Every day, salvation is nearer and nearer, and we should live differently right now as citizens of the kingdom. We should have a different perspective on life than the rest of the world. We need to wake up from our sleep. We need to quit acting like the rest of the world. We need to quit justifying sinful behavior in the realm of politics. We need to quit acting like it is okay to say anything about a politician. We need to quit acting like it is okay to say anything to someone on the other side of the aisle. We are called to a higher law. As citizens of a higher kingdom, we are called to love. I'm not saying be soft on the truth. I'm saying speak the truth. But speak the truth in love, like Jesus.
Scripture says, by your love will they know you are my disciples. We must have a higher perspective as citizens of a higher kingdom. Finally, this results also in a higher ethic. Look at verses 12 through 14, the second part of verse 12. He says, therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. In these verses, Paul is using the language that brings to mind the idea of taking off your, your pajamas. And that's pajamas, not pajamas. My family gets it wrong. It's pajamas. I mean, you put on your jammies, you don't put on your jammies. This is an important aside. They're not here to hear it. I'll make them listen to the podcast. But he's using the language of taking off and putting on clothes. You take off the nighttime clothes and you put on the clothes for the daytime. He's taking that and using that to say in moral terms, wake up, the Son of God has risen. Put off your clothes of night, your deeds of sinful deeds of darkness, and live out the holiness of Christ. Every day you wake up, you have to put on Christ. You have to put on His holiness. You have to look in the mirror and say, I'm hidden in Christ. I have Christ on me. I am in the robe, the holiness of Christ. Keller talks about it. He says, when you, as a couple, if you put on a tuxedo and a, and a, a long gown and high heels, you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you know what you're going to, it changes your behavior. You're reminded, we're not going for a jog here. If you go for a jog in that outfit, it's going to get messed up. It's going to go badly. He says every morning we should wake up and see we are clothed in the holiness of Christ. And we should put off deeds of darkness and put on the daylight clothes, the clothes of holiness, namely not participating in carousing and drunkenness not participating in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not participating in strife and jealousy. It doesn't matter if marijuana is legalized in the land. God calls us to holiness. It doesn't matter what the drinking age of the land is. God calls us to holiness. It doesn't matter what the law of the land defines as it's okay at this age to go see filthy movies. God calls us to holiness. It's not about legalism. Going to these things and doing these things don't make you right with God, but those who have the holiness of God clothing their clothing of God, the holiness of God on them as a robe, they live differently, regardless of the law of the land. So we're called to a higher calling. There's no doubt about it as citizens, we're going to feel different in this land. 
We're going to feel like strangers. We're going to feel weird. And we are weird. That's not so funny. We are weird. We're different. We shouldn't feel comfortable. We're citizens of a different kingdom as we are citizens of this country. We should live up to a higher calling, not down to a secular law. We should have a higher perspective as we relate to one another and deal with one another and operate and do our civil duty. We should understand that God has clothed us in His holiness, the holiness of Jesus Christ, if we have put our faith in Christ, and therefore we live by a higher ethic. We will almost always be at odd with the society we live in. Rarely will we agree with the law of the land. But what Paul is saying today is political activism done without love is sin. I don't care how right you are. It doesn't matter how, what, how biblical I am. If I stand on the word of God, but I do it in a sinful way, it is for naught. God expects us to live different than the rest of the world. This week, as I prayed for my own application, as I prayed for our church, as I prayed for Christians to love our citizens, to love our city, to it, it, there's no law that says you have to give to the poor. But God's called us to give to the poor. There's no law that says beyond paying your taxes, you don't have to do anything for the unemployed. You don't have to do anything for the homeless. You don't have to do anything for the abused child. You don't have to do anything for battered women. You don't have to do anything for anybody. Just cut a check and they're happy. And God says, that's not my calling. We are called to love this city and the people in the city. As I prayed that God would help us do that, I was reminded in John, he says, abide in me, because apart from me, you can't do jack. You can't do anything apart from me. So each day we... Turn on the news, and before you share that post, before you favorite that tweet, before you what? Instagram. What do you do on Instagram, guys? Oh, don't act like you don't know. Huh? Don't tap. That's right. Thank you. Double tap. Not that y'all do it. That means you liked it. You put a little heart on it when you double tap it. Before you double tap that angry post, just know we are called to something much higher. We're called to love. Stand for truth, but speak the truth in love. And every day, fill your mind with the word of God.
prayerfully ask God to reveal to yourself your own sin, your own pride, your own arrogance, your own impatience, your own hatred, and respond by the grace of God. Tap into the resources of the Holy Spirit living in you, and God will transform us. And then, no matter what the result, we have been successful. We have been faithful to live out the higher calling that God has placed on our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, we need your help. We need your empowering grace. We need the Spirit of God to reveal to us massive areas of sinful pride and arrogance in the area of politics. Lord, help us to be broken over those who are hurting with the gender identity, those who are struggling to understand who they are. Lord, help us to love them more than we like being right. Help us, Lord, to stand for the truth, to promote your way, to promote biblical values and biblical uh, laws. But, Lord, may we do it in a spirit of love so that we do not disqualify ourselves. Lord, I pray that you will make Christians, starting with me, starting with Norris Ferry Church, that you will make Christians model citizens who love this city and the people in it. To the glory of God, it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.